everyone. Welcome back to The Indie, the podcast in the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. I'm your host, Molly McEnany, and this week we're talking about endings and new beginnings for art in Santa Barbara. The Museum of Contemporary Art in Santa Barbara has officially closed its doors after 46 years of contributing to not only Santa Barbara's thriving art scene, but Southern California's booming art industry. As of August 28th, the premier contemporary art venue shared that it couldn't bear the financial strain anymore, especially after struggling through the pandemic. This week, we're joined by artist Mary Sheepner to talk about the early days of the museum and its contemporary arts forum, as well as how her experience there shaped her into the artist she is today. When I was a, a graduate student, Betty Klausner started something called the Graphics Gallery, and it was adjacent to the art museum. It's where the museum store is now. And I, I worked there and I got a job framing and I knew nothing about framing, but <laughs> that's but how it always starts. Bill recommended me saying she's one of my best students and she'd be great here. And I had to preface this by saying I really knew nothing about framing. I had put together little screw frames and whatnot. And Betty was dealing with really high-end Japanese-American, American artists like Robert Rauschenberg, beautiful prints that she was bringing to a Santa Barbara audience. And so one day I learned what a decal was. Do you know what a decal is? No, I do not. Well, I, after all of this, I became a papermaker as one of my feathers in my, in my quiver. And I work with a handmade paper where the top of the paper making screen fits to the bottom. And then when you make the sheet of paper and you pull off the top, that little feathery edge around the edges, it's so beautiful. It's called the decal. Well, Betty came in to work and I was in the back framing and she went, the decal, the decal, that's a Rockenberg. And I went, <laughs> I learned that I was smashing the, the frame together to get clean angles. And I was working on this really wonderful print. I didn't wreck the decal, but I learned what a decal was. In that moment. She was, as always, tough, but forgiving. And she said, well, now you know what a decal is. She then went on. She was instrumental in trying to foster and help and support Santa Barbara artists. She died in 2019, but she lived for over 40 years in Santa Barbara and she and Joan Tanner and Richard Dunlap and Marge Dunlap, a lot of artists in town. We were talking about how to get together, how to have a forum, how to have a way of having dialogue with one another, maybe doing installations. And it came up, the title came up as Contemporary Arts Forum because it was a place for artists to be able to speak and to speak with one another. And it, it grew. It started in this tiny little idea of a place. And then she and her husband, Bob Flosner, owned the Balboa building. He was uh, very instrumental in starting the recycling centers and such in Santa Barbara. They were people who put their money where their mouth was. And they used their wealth to enhance the community in an incredible way. And actually, she's one of a line of really interesting women in Santa Barbara who put their money where their mouth was and supported the arts, supported the museum, served on boards and generated interest in, in, in contemporary art. And, you know, as we know, all art is contemporary when it's being made. So that would range from 
ancient, ancient art to what's going on today or tomorrow. She continued in that tradition, and people like Rita Ferry, who worked with the contemporary arts for years and years, were always supporting the idea of artists coming up with some idea and having it be a place where they could float that idea. I did my first installation there in a window in 1989 of cenotes, Mexican cenotes were the, but they were abstract blast paintings. And in 1997, I did a, a solo show after being in Iceland and creating an artist book and large paintings that I decided I had painted volcanically. So my first and most vivid memories of contemporary arts forum were during that time. And at this time, what did the contemporary arts forum or CAF mean to you as a local artist? How do you see it being instrumental in developing this community of artists in Santa Barbara? Oh, I thought it was critical. It was a, a real meeting place. Everyone went to the openings. People came to town and said, you know, what's happening? She was showing David Ireland, who's an installation artist, and Hamilton, who you may know of. And then we would have different participatory shows, like the chair show, where Brian and Susan and Eskowitz would design things. Lots of designers, architects and designers. So it was a it was a real meeting place. And you'd, you'd always go and check it out. And there was a nice connection to the Santa Barbara Museum of Art. It was... Not seen as an opposition to it, but as a place for contemporary artists living in Santa Barbara and elsewhere to to show their work and to have a have a forum to be able to meet artists who were very accomplished and from New York or where in Los Angeles or where else and start up conversations. So there was a lot of symposium. There were a lot of installations. The openings were always super crowded, and it was very vigorous. It wasn't a museum in the sense that I'm old, old school, I guess. Museums, to me, mean a place where you hold a collection, where you have stuff. To me, it was more of a, of a, of a place for interaction and dialogue and exhibition. And from what you're saying, not even just Santa Barbarans, but people around the country could come yeah. and they could have a dialogue about it. Yeah. Also, I mean, anyone who's lived here and worked here and been an artist for years, there's a stigma to the word local artist. It's like, yeah, but I also show in Moscow. And, you know, I mean, it, it just, it, it seems demeaning. Whereas in some places like Seattle, let's say, when I was showing up in Seattle, I wasn't a Seattle artist. So I was getting the short trip because they only wanted to show. Yeah, I know, Northwest Coast artists. So mm -hmm. what this was, was a way of saying what we've got here is there's some very good artists. Richard Ross, McDuff Neverton, Richard Aver, Cheryl Bauer, Seal Bergman, Joan Tanner, Nell Campbell. Mm -hmm. The list goes on and on. And they're excellent artists. So it sort of peeled away that, that sort of nomenclature of local artists and revealed that no you've got a voice and you're singing your song and it jives with other things that are going on during this time and other times and in this place and other places 
And that's a testament to the grand scale that Santa Barbara artists have actually showcased at. I do find it interesting, right? The the verbiage that we use, oh, a local artist, that kind of makes people think like, oh, they're only doing shows in Santa Barbara. That's cool. But little do people know that they're actually well-known nationally or well-known even around the world sometimes. But I do have to ask, I mean, finances seem to be the make it or break it point in the art world, but is the growing financial struggle that art spaces face something that you've noticed as a more recent phenomenon, maybe due to the pandemic, or have art spaces in Santa Barbara always been scraping by? Always been scraping by. Artists are usually the ones that move into an area. Prime example, when I was on the Arts Advisory Commission, Visual Art in Public Places, we were trying to let people know that this area on the other side of the tracks had lots of craftspeople tons of artists and there was they were going to put a big hotel there this was in the 80s and 90s maybe and we went to the mayor carol kenya and i and said you know there's a lot of makers here there's craftspeople there's visual artists there's sculptors you can't just replicate that you can't make something and it's funky but it's a zone and so that's Mm -hmm. the word funky zone which then turned into Pope's Zone, kind of got its leverage. And Harriet Miller, the mayor, said, well, bring me numbers. And so we had Tom Post and somebody else go door to door in the Funk Zone and says, what do you do? Don't worry. I don't care if you live here illegally. I don't care, you know, what the scene is, but what do you make? You know, and there are people that, that made boats, that made sculpture, that made surfboards. So... I thought we'd get like 40, 50 names. We got over 200 names. Wow. We said, you know, this should be preserved. This is something that's important. We we're trying to get artist stations there, you know, back then. But they were all artisans or creators or artists living in that area, which is yeah. the cool history of the funk zone. Yeah. Yeah. And was- so, I mean, what do you know about the recent closure? How do you think this will impact the art scene in Santa Barbara? I mean, you give a bit of the history and how important it was to dialogue. Do you think that dialogue will be able to keep going even without the forum or without the museum? Yeah, I think it's a great time to reinvent what it is it should be. It had kind of been struggling along for quite a while. There was different directors, different styles of management that I don't, I'm not privy to details about, but let's just say, I think, as a concept of a place for artists to get together and show their work and do stuff, there's a great opportunity to re-picture, re-envision what that can be. Ideally, if I ruled the world, I'd take the old Macy's, turn it into the bottom floor alternative art independent movie theater. I put artist studios and food restaurant things all around it and turn it into this active artist space. Well, maybe the city will hear this and they'll be like, hey, that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> a bad idea. Yeah, I we- mean, there are so many storefronts that are open. The revival of State Street, especially after the pandemic, is something that I think the city, along with Santa Barbarans, are really hoping for. I mean, that used to be such a central area to the town. How do you see art being a part of that in this, you know, post-pandemic restructuring of Santa Barbara? Well, it's interesting. In the 80s, there was another kind of slump, you know, another recession. And 
without the pandemic. But there was an, a couple artists that had the idea of taking these storefronts of thriving businesses but who said, yeah, I'll let you use my window and do an installation. And it was an L.A. artist. And she sort of proposed this idea. And, and all of us sort of said, well, I'll take Clean Air, which was in the name of the store. Or I'll take this store. And, and we did... Not specific. They weren't advertisements for the, what the store sold. It was just a window. You can do whatever you want in. And it engendered so much interest. I mean, we tried my last year, a while ago, of being on the advisory committee, and we were floating that idea. I had an idea of subversive cursive, which Sarah York Rubin loved because, you know, young kids can't write in cursive. They can't read their grandmother's letters. Write poetry and rolled them up into big scrolls on the windows. And that's cool. And several of the places, even the empty buildings, said, well, there's insurance issues and there's this and there's that. That didn't happen in that earlier time. And I think that San Luis Obispo is more of a thriving town than Santa Barbara right now. The rents are affordable. There are mall and plus stores. They're keeping it open. And I think buildings that are empty or unrented for, you know, six months or so should be charged. Yeah. No, I mean, I love hearing ideas from different sectors of the community because, I mean, someone who's in tech has a different perspective on what this empty space could be used for. But I think that art has a way of connecting different sectors of Santa Barbara because it's transformed in so many different ways. How going forward, do you think Santa Barbara and Santa Barbarans can better support the art community? What more blank space needs to be filled in your dream world? Well, all of State Street's pretty empty. You know, I mean, should we take the buildings over? I, I don't know, but I just think, you know, one of the things that was nice during the pandemic, the silver lining, was that restaurants and stuff sort of figured out how to, well, let's just take it on the street. And, and do, we've been trying outdoor dining in Santa Barbara forever. They go, well, look, who wants to come here? Well, we can't really do that. Or we do it. And then there's a pandemic. It's like, no, we, we got to do this. So the toothpaste is out of the tube and they just got to figure out how to configure it so that maybe part of State Street is pedestrian only. And part of it and the rest of it was not. I know there's planners and architects that are that are working on that idea right now, but it would be, it's, I think, a real shame to try to just go back to what we have because it was it, it was dull. And, yeah. and I mean, we live in a Mediterranean climate. It's getting hotter every minute. And I, the idea that we can't sit outside and enjoy the, the this amazing climate and this amazing landscape seems crazy to me. I think that at this point in time, it is one big, huge question about reinventing Santa Barbara. It's almost become this forced reinvention because of the pandemic in a way. But I wanted to ask, even though the closure of the Museum of Contemporary Art is a big loss for the community, where are some other spaces that you'd recommend for artists and locals to go in the area? Well, there's the Art Museum. It's an amazing museum. And, you know, the renovation, I was really skeptical. What's this going to be? You know, how's this, you know, really, how much money are you going to spend on this? And what is it going to be? We did a great job. And there's lots of 
accessibility to that. Also at UCSV, the Art Design and Architecture Museum, it's a gem of a little museum. It's eight miles away, you know? <laughs> so that's that's something. And that's the open on the weekends and on Monday. There's galleries that come and go, and it's always been a struggle. We've had really amazing galleries, and not many of them last that long. Sullivan Gauntz lasted, and there's a need for some fresh contemporary, you know, a place. There is a need, and it will happen. And it might start in the funk zone. It might start in someone's house. I mean, at this point, it's kind of an open-ended scene, but artists need each other. And botanists, people in on the sciences, I mean, there shouldn't be this divide. I'm having an exhibit, it's the Architectural Foundation in Santa Barbara. And it's a, it's a private home and there's a gallery in there. It's really lovely for showing work that's suitable. Mary's inspiration for this show is based on a trip she took where she was invited into the room where a Tibetan monk was inking and making prayer flags. As the weather and wind breaks down the fibers of the cloth that the flags have been printed on, it's as if your prayers are being sent into the universe. Over the past five years, Mary shared she's been making letterpress artist books. And I was curious as to why she wanted to turn this book in particular into an exhibit. I've been a visual artist for like a zillion years. So I, I had this idea of writing a story about the monk. But then my daughter, who's an anthropologist, and she teaches medical anthropology at Dartmouth, but she's done all her field work in Tibetan areas of Mustang and Nepal and Queens, New York. And Sienna Craig is her name, and she told me that each of the colors, yellow, red, blue, white, and green, loosely signify elements that are vital to our life, earth, air, fire, water, and ether. So taking that idea, I thought, well, I'm going to, and it was during COVID, and I thought, I'm going to write my own prayers or invocations to each of these elements. You know, what are they to me? How are they important? And what are we doing to them? because it's about a climate in distress. And I wanted the, the project to be beautiful and at the same time drive home some points about our environment we live in. And then I thought that in addition to losing lots of things in our environment, we're also losing our connection with objects and other people through the art of cursive, because cursive is a form of drawing. You know, whenever I used to teach and I'd say somebody, they well, I can't draw. They go, can you write your name? And it was always meaning in cursive. I'm like, well, yeah, well, you're drawing, you're taking a dot, you're taking a line and, and it connects it, neuro neurologically. It's been proven that it connects your brain, your hand, your eye and an object, let's say, or your imagination in a way that typewriting just doesn't do. So it really is a lost art. And so I wrote the whole in cursive. <laughs> I felt like a monk because I, I sat with lined paper and, you know, I'd write like four or five lines of, you know, from my manuscript and I'd make a mistake and I'd have to start all over again. And then once I got something close to perfect, I had John Balkwell, who's a fine letterpress printer, make a photopolymer plate and then we printed that off and I made an edition of one of the copies of this book called Prayer Flags and a Tale of Longing. And the tale of longing is the story of going to Sikkim and meeting this monk and 
and the overriding, why it's longing. It's what do you expect when you travel? What do you want when you encounter a person who sees the world from different eyes? What, what do you want? What do you think you're taking away from it? And what are you giving to us? What are you leaving behind? And so those were the questions that were interesting to me upon rereading this journal note. You know, I, I use steno pads. I use these old-fashioned things, and I write. And so my book actually is wire-bound wire on the side because I wanted it to look like my, my field notes. But it's hand-painted, all handmade paper, hand-colored, and kind of fancy. So that, that's the book. And then I made these printed versions of the five elements and I made little signs for each air, fire, water, earth. The exhibition has the, the actual prayer flags hanging out on six inch protrusions. So they cast these really cool shadows against the wall. And when the doors open, they flutter. It's so pretty. And and there's two sided. So one side has my prayers on them and the other side has these big symbols on them. And so that's the show. So it's a very concise exhibition and it's text heavy. I'm hoping people actually read some of your things. Part of making books was my way of wanting to combine my love of visual art with my love of writing, telling stories. Was this the first time you'd ever used a medium like this with the printing, as well as using words in your art? Are you, do you usually use words in your art or is this a new thing for you? No, it's, I've made about 20 books and they're usually in addition of 20 to 30 copies. And I work on a lot of these in collaboration with John Bulkwell, who's a letterpress printer. And I design, I write the book or I work with poets. I did a book with, po with the poetry of Pablo Neruda. I did a book with Bay Area poet Stephen Kessler and also Michael Hannon. But but the prayer flake book is my writing and my images and in a design. You know, people get inspired by different things. Every single show, there's a different inspiration and art. It always changes. It's always fluctuating. But I guess to close off, I want to ask if there's anything you wanted to add about your own show or about art in Santa Barbara in general and what you're looking forward to next year. I think what I would say is making more art. In order to really see the art, you have to stand in front of it. You have to be with it. There's scale, there's texture, there's intent. It's relation to your physical body. Even if you've got the most beautiful resolution of a digital, you know, from the loop, it's not the same. You know, I cannot tell you how many people have come to my studio and who've looked at the website or looked at them and said, oh my God, I had no idea. So get out and see art. Get out and try to live with original art. Try to, you know, support young makers of things and try it yourself. Try making things. Try drawing. Yeah. Try writing it. In cursive. <laughs> no, well, thank you for joining me on the show. I really appreciate it. All your thoughts and words. Don't be a stranger. Take care. Artist Mary Hebner's new exhibition, Prayer Flags and a Tale of Longing, is on view at the Architectural Foundation Gallery until November 5th. Once again, I'm your host, Molly McEnany. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Indie.